This is the Nomad Futurist Podcast, a podcast about the evolution of technology, society, and transformation. Connect with us, share your thoughts with us at nomadfuturist.com. Let's get this started. Here are Phil and Nabil. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Nomad Futurist. This is your co-host, Nabil Mahmood from Kalua Kona, Hawaii. This is your co-host, Philip Koblenz from Montclair, New Jersey. And I'm Susanna Cass. Thank you, Phil and Nabil, for having me today. I'm calling in from Stanford, California. Susanna, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. We are in 2023. We did it. Another year gone by. Is COVID over? I don't know. But we are living a certain norm now that we haven't been accustomed to for the last two and a half, three years. So we're going to be here at PTC. I'm so excited to see everybody in person in Hawaii. This is going to be exciting. Phil and I are going to reconnect here after four years. Phil, this is where it started. I think it's three years, but it's, it was 2020, PTC 2020, where, where the, this, this crazy idea that we came up with was born. Uh, I can't believe this. I can't believe they're going to they're let me into Hawaii. You're well needed and you could use a little tan. Well, Susanna, thank you very much. Thank you again for taking the time to join us. Could you tell us who you are, what you do, and where you're at in your career? Of course. Thank you for having me. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening in. Nabil and Phil are absolutely the best in the industry. I'm actually very inspired by both of them. So it's absolutely a privilege to spend a little bit of time with each other. So thank you for listening in. I'm actually a very basic person. I'm a computer scientist and I remain actually passionate about the major that I started in college. Subsequently, I got a business degree and I fell into the IT sector as a computer programmer, software analyst, having a computer science degree. And I just love interacting with a computer in terms of doing a lot of things relating from the software infrastructure and networking, work on object-based programming, open source computing. And one thing led to another, we need a room to put all these wonderful computer network and data storage. And I think the name data center comes subsequently later, used to be called an IT lab. It's amazing in that regard that it actually grows so fast. But part of the reason why it grows so fast is because a few of us actually have been working on a standard-based framework to enable all the compute network and data storage comes together. So I'm going to date myself to the audience because I actually cross a couple architectural. So when I first started to study, it was the OSI model which is basically a physical layer, a data link layer, a network layer, a, a transport layer, a session layer. And then you see all the other stuff on top of it called presentation and application. So as a computer programmer, I started with the bottom. I actually feel like I'm always at the bottom anyway. So because you can understand the fundamental of how things really kind of work. It's not bottom, so, it's foundation. Foundation, yes, that's a, absolutely a better word still. And then, of course, everybody knows about the internet, which is based on not the OSI model, but a TCP IP model. So I don't have to explain that because you probably all are experts listening to it in terms of how you interact with the internet. And, um, and I have to admit, just the end of last year, there was a very big cloud computing vendor hosted a, one of the biggest show, Come Back Again, similar to what you said, Phil, people are getting back together again, which is really amazing in Vegas. And they started introducing a new model called SRD, which is a scalable, reliable datagram uh, architecture, which enable network to not just pass one packet at a time or different paths of packets. And it's actually start talking about the whole multi-pathing 
And I was part of that session and was actually just really fascinating. So one thing led to another. What I'm actually doing now to answer your question, Bill, is really advocating as a clean energy advocate for the data center industry. So I act as an ambassador for the data center for the UN United Nations Sustainable Development Program as an energy fellow at Stanford University and working with global hyperscalers, edge computing providers, and definitely as colo providers over 3.3 gigawatt of net zero clean energy design and deployment. So it's very exciting. And starting the year in 2023, already have about 11 projects in the pipeline. And I like to bring them all actually, or a few of them, if you guys inclined throughout the year for them to actually share about their journey and what they're working on on your podcast. That'll be wonderful. But before we get into all of this, what really struck me, and I did not know this about you, that you were a computer scientist. How did you pick that as a major when it didn't exist or it was not talked about? It wasn't even on the horizon for any of us that got into the space. Ah, well, I'll keep my story really short. So I am a Chinese gal born in Hong Kong. And my parents thought it was really, really good for me to be able to get out of poverty like they were struggling when they actually give up everything to move to Hong Kong to have a new identity, to put together all the savings they have to make sacrifices for myself and my brother to have a good education. So they actually sent me to a boarding school. And we are quite poor. The most exciting for us every day is we share actually one plate, one meal. And, but we're very happy. We never miss a bedtime story. And our life was just totally perfect. And I live in a beautiful family and always have great memories about my family. So in the boarding school, Nabil and Phil, we weren't able to return home to Hong Kong because I was boarded in Westminster in London, growing up there in a nun, in a, in a, in a Catholic boarding school raised by nuns. So I spend my time in basically the library or a room just basically full of a bunch of books. So, and I just got really excited about the donation of the generous British people that have it there. And specifically, I'm just really attracted to the part, not so much the princesses, that doesn't really kind of excite Susanna. And I think it's not my favorite color. It doesn't kind of go well with my tone. But I am fascinated basically relating to logic, programming, computer. And then as soon as I learned everything about the fact that you can potentially actually do a lot of things in a microcomputer, that's what I wanted to do. I have to imagine that it's, it's clearly, you need, again, I have, a, I, have a, I have a daughter who just turned six. We, we, we talked yes. about it earlier. She is into princesses and, and all that stuff. And I'm not, I think, works with her complexion. But the it's 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 unique, certainly at that time, for a woman to to be fascinated by technology. Yes, and, I was and, a young girl, so I had right. my imagination, and I started right. thinking about wow, what are all the different things that you can do out there in this world that basically you can program the logic to enable them to do that. So I, it, uh, is, it, would be, would, is it odd to I I I don't want to to date you specifically, but. Can you give us a time frame of, of when this was that you were looking to computer? This wasn't like now when everyone has a computer in their pocket and all oh, those no, things. Oh, no, yeah, in the 70s. It's okay. right. yeah, so, this it's is, 70s. so this is in the yeah. 70s when when yeah. not, computers are not really top of mind. Programming is not 
top of mind for for anyone. So they it, do, it, they it, do actually okay. exist. They do actually exist because you, you maybe this in a form of a handheld calculator or something. Sure, yeah. sure. I, yes. They definitely exist, but just the notion of, of of a child trying to focus on on logic and 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 programming and how to make that that stuff work is is incredible. Actually, call me nerdy. Now it's geek chic. Now it's and now it's yes, it's yes. I'm definitely. I think that would be a very good compliment. What was that turning point for you that you? You found your inspiration, you found your passion, but there's this always this turning point that I'm willing to take the risk in educating myself in a field that potentially doesn't even exist. Or if it does, it's, it's minuscule in the grand scheme of things because nobody was really doing that. It wasn't mainstream back then. A very, very select few got involved in computing or actually even knew about computing in the 70s. What was the turning point for you? What clicked? What what clicked for me, I think I would be saying that, and this is absolutely the truth, the fact that I can actually communicate what I had in mind, I can express my thinking of what I'm actually trying to do without actually talking to another human. I can programmatically, systematically flowchart it and write out programming language, object-based programming, interaction and different linkages and be able to actually start defining and building things. I think that was clicking for me. And I absolutely, you can tell, I, I love the robotic clubs or anything relating to that. I was just really drawn to it. I love to take things apart and start understanding how they work. Not so much the mechanical aspect of it, but definitely, I would say the software part of it in terms of, so, wow. There's, you know. there's something that strikes me. It just sounds like you're, like if you, if I close my eyes and you were describing something, I would be thinking music, this, this, this international language. You didn't have to, you don't, you can, you can speak this, this language that everyone understands because you're, you're talking to an object and making it what you want to do. So it's like an expression of, of, of your own voice that is kind of ubiquitous. Yes. And it's actually one word for that, right? That is actually science. It arouses the curiosity to be able to actually communicate. And I love the way you frame it, Phil. It is really great. It is actually music. You're right. Well, Phil, Phil's got a major in verbal communication, not binary. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, the man I, is full of words and expressions. I am very loquacious, as they say. <laughs> oh, there you go. See, there was a word for it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a very personal and potentially even a very uncomfortable question. You mentioned growing up in Hong Kong. So a couple of things that really come to my mind are your parents putting out all of their savings to send you over to the UK. Could you share at a very high level if you didn't get that opportunity? And do you ever think about it, if you didn't get that opportunity, what would life be like for you? And did that really change you to to the degree where you were hungry and making a difference and making your life better? Yes. Thank you for asking that question. A few of us actually got together for reunion. And many of the folks that actually I grew up in UK have connections being Chinese and whatnot, definitely have the folks currently now in seeing what's happening in Hong Kong in the year 2023. I don't know what you gentlemen think about the outlook of that is. Um, but clearly, I think democratic development is definitely not high on the agenda for the community. So I would think my life would be significantly different, not growing up in the Western part of the world. I think my knowledge would have been narrowed in terms of genuinely defining to be physically boundary rather than being able to see the world and have been there. 
even though at the moment I have to say, and I was actually six, Phil, growing up in a boarding school. I don't get the hugs. I don't get to play with daddies all the time. And so I think that in one regard, it taught me the independence in, in that regard. And so it's really inherited me that I'm actually quite independent. So if I were to stay in Hong Kong and didn't have the opportunity to study abroad, got raised by the nuns, my faith definitely probably won't be as strong because it's kind of drilled into me right now. And my belief in terms of having democratic development, be able to see the world, communicate with everyone that is beyond just living in your own neighborhood, really open up your mind in terms of actually how you approach problems or actually how you try to listen to what the others are actually communicating to you because of their culture and their, their faith and what they really believe in. I have to imagine, I have to imagine that as a six-year-old, you didn't really appreciate it. You, you were, you, you were, you were sent to this boarding school and, and obviously it turned into a huge opportunity for you. But I have to imagine as a six-year-old, as a seven-year-old, this is an, this is an incredibly young formative age, as you, as you said, where you, you gave up a lot. Did you, did, did you think it was a punishment at the time? Did you, did you appreciate the fact that it was an opportunity? I don't know how you possibly could. I don't go back and think about it, Phil. Maybe another way to answer your question is this. I have two daughters. Um, I did not send either one of them away for boarding school. Right. Question answered. Question answered. Yes. And I absolutely do believe education is extremely important, okay? So all my savings definitely go towards the education, mm -hmm. but I did not make a decision to send to boarding school. I still am very grateful my parents did it because obviously they like to make right. the best decision they think is best. And was it the my, same thing? Was it the brother. same thing for your for your brother? Was he was he also sent yeah. to boarding school? Same boarding school? Was no, he? he went to a different one because I went to an all-girls and he went to an all-boy. Yeah, yeah. Right. We actually never fight because when we meet, we're already at Dow. So it just takes too much energy to fight. Now right, we right. get to know each other, right? Like, yeah. Amazing. And <laughs> how did he turn out to be? He turned out to be, well, he turned out great. He's an architect. So he, yeah, he, he's, he's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yes, so we, we are blessed. We are absolutely yeah. blessed. Our parents love us so much. They give up everything that they want us to have. They want us to be, be in an environment that we can take care of ourselves. And we'll get a better life. So I'm very grateful. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I so totally second that notion. I think there's a reason for everything. Um, and now looking back at it and I, I think about it all the time, like what happened if I did not get that experience? What happened if if I did not get that education? Where would I be? Or if I wasn't born in that family, where would I be? So it does totally change you, I think, for the good. There's always, the glass is always full. You guys are going to make me, you're gonna, you guys are going to make me ship my kids off. My God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Incredible journey, incredible story. It's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Let's talk about what you're doing, particularly as it entails to carbon neutrality and your engagement with the United Nations. Yes. So thank you. Maybe I can talk a little bit about what we're expecting this year in 2023, because we will have COP28 happening this year. By the way, I actually will be hosting a couple of sessions. I'd love to figure a way how we can actually get both of you gentlemen there. It will be phenomenally inspirational and you folks will be amazing in terms of some of the work that you've all be doing. I think the focus this here in the bill would be sharing the blueprint and sharing the results of the pledges that everybody made two years ago in COP26 in Glasgow. And everybody kind of talk more about their willingness, their aspiration about taking actions. 
I think 28 is the year that we're definitely going to have to want to see the results and we want to see the framework and the blueprint. So specifically for me, we're just starting the year. So again, Happy New Year, everyone. It's really helping the company to transform themselves into just thinking about profit. I think most of the folks already start talking about ESG, which is environmental, social, and governance. I applaud them for being very curious to using those terms. But I have to admit, many of them, after I listen to them for like maybe two minutes, they're clueless. So my job is to actually help them using against those words, the foundation of what really climate action really means, what is really systematic. How can they really identify where they are in the journey, helping them to develop the baseline and then charting the journey on a decarbonization step and transforming the company? And I hope uh, if I'm actually successful, like I actually did to help the hyperscaler make their pledges, the announcement before actually in COVID, perhaps I can make an impact in terms of transforming many of the company globally into believing culturally that it should be people, planet and profit. And by doing so, they will address the environment. More importantly, they're going to address the environment through the people. Because I fundamentally naively believe in one thing. The, and the, the planet doesn't actually need us to take care of them. The planet are fine, even though three of us actually become extinct, like many species. Mm-hmm. It's just a human. When we are going through our own journey... It's the damage that we actually make. It's the thoughtlessness. It's the clueless action that we actually took that actually causes the damage. And now we actually have to go back and rethink and approaching the environment differently while we're actually living a purposeful, impactful life while we're all in this planet and leaving it a much better place for Phil, not just his children, but the grandchildren to be a better environment. And, and I fundamentally believe that is the focus for 2023. I think I, lo- I think I, I, the way you say it, it's so eloquent. I, I've always been impressed by by your eloquence and your passion for 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 this topic. And I think ESG in general, it's it's always been maybe not always, but traditionally it, it becomes a talking point across a number of industries where they focus on carbon credits or, or something that is more performative in its nature rather than something that actually reduces. The, 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 the type of, of carbon that industries create. And, and we talk, we've talked about this before, how as an industry, the, the data center world is always kind of talk, talked about in a way where we burn a lot of fuel. We burn a lot of energy, obviously, because computers are our tenants in, in a lot of these areas. But we're also kind of at the forefront of, of the type of work that you're doing because we're the rare industry where that has a significant impact on the bottom line. There, there are real benefits as an industry, not just in terms of our perception, but in terms of our performance to shareholders, to stakeholders as, as a business to becoming less dependent on fossil fuels, less dependent on traditional energy and, and, and more self-fulfilling with renewables and, and, and how is, is, is being used in our environment. So the work that you do, I can't overstate how important it is, but. But the fact that you as, as a person have become kind of the embodiment of taking just kind of checkboxes when it comes to ESG and turning it into something that's real is, is something that I will never stop throwing, throwing praise on you for. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. So thank you. Well, thank you, Phil. Actually, one, one thing I have observed along the way in the journey, in the year that we just passed in 2022, as Nabil said, 
hey, COVID is over. Part of it, I think what you meant is the lockdown is over. We're all coming coming out of it and that pathogen still kind of exists, but we are more educated now, more knowledgeable and have better advanced medicine in terms of knowing how to deal with it than we first know about it, right? Sustainability and taking care of environment is actually second nature. Wasn't even an option if you ask your children. They would automatically know how to actually recycle. They would take care of not leaving trash and plastic in the ocean. And they, so it comes second nature to them. I think one of the key things what we need to do is to enable the teens, a younger generation to be able to genuinely teach us. And we need to listen to them in terms of how they wanted to actually live their life. And perhaps we can be the ambassadors and we can be the supporters to enable them because you both are in the position in the industry that are the leaders that we need to make the change. For example, one of the goals is gender equality. It's nothing to do with having a woman replace a man in a job. No, not at all. It's really the mindset that we all need to have a more inclusive opportunity. You can still have all the men in a meeting. I think that would just be fine. As long as actually the group actually have a diverse thinking. However, if you do put a woman there, naturally, you already got someone who is quite different, will bring a different viewpoint. So why not do that? It baffles my mind. And Phil and I had a conversation earlier last week. We live in the 21st century and we are still talking about this. This should be muscle memory. This has been going on for decades and decades, yet uh, it's still something that has not been addressed or really The definition of psychosis is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, right? So... Again, it becomes a checkbox, right? The diversity and inclusion, this the, the, this DNII concept. It can't be people that look like me that are that that are are in boardrooms all over the place that are that that are going to like preach about DNI. You need to change the boardroom makeup. You need to change the perspectives with which products are being are, are being created. Not because you're trying to check a box, just like with ESG, it's not checking a box. But because right. the products that you're going to create, the solutions that you're going to create into the future are a function of the life, the lived experiences of the people that are at the helm. So it's it's it is for the security of the long term prosperity of all of these companies that they create a diverse, not just gender, but socioeconomic race, religion, et cetera, because all of those people are going to have different perspectives from the different parts of the world. And, and different circumstances from which they came that will enable you to create relevant solutions how with with whatever product or solution your company creates to, to be relevant to this these whole swaths of of demographics that are not represented in in boardrooms in positions of leadership you're brilliantly said brilliantly said that that's that's really the blueprint of the architecture that we all need to live so figuring out what to do is not the problem. It's taking yeah. action and doing what we believe in is the challenge. It's a no, self-discipline. Exactly. Just in case Musk is listening to this conversation, I think <laughs> he's got to put both Susanna and I on either te- Twitter or Tesla's board. I, this, is, this is the problem. This is the problem. I, get, I am in two protected classes. I am a bald Jew. So I should also be allowed to be represented on the boardroom. Uh, and the only reason Elon Musk is not bald is because he's got those plugs. But what? I'm not going to get thrown off Twitter. Damn it. 
we'll come up with the real Phil Coleman slash hash. <laughs> Just adding on to that, Susanna, do you think in 2023 is the ESG discussion is still going to be a checkbox for the major players or are we going to be taking some serious corrective actions? And to the second phase of that question is, do you see America ahead or running in parallel with the European markets? Mm, okay. Thank you for the question. I would think the first question would be, is something I learned in some experiment that we did actually at Stanford when we are trying to achieve energy efficiency. What we basically do is we have, we use metrics in each of the dorm room, in each of the school of engineering, business school, law school, medical school. And, and we make it very public with everyone in terms of how much energy we basically use, how many students or professors or hours or the, in the classroom. And we basically show the worst performer. And getting the list on the worst performer will get basically a whole bunch of Stanford umbrella right outside your front. So you can't really hide. Everybody know you're the worst performer. And running it for about a couple of weeks to figure that people figure out because we're, we're a bunch of California nerds. So we don't use uh, umbrellas. We, we don't understand what those are. Just like windshield wiper on a car, they're for decorations, right? So because we have one day of rain and we think it's like, what's going on? The world is coming to an end. Anyway, humor aside, coming back to ESG, I think many of the folks are genuine, many of the S&P Global 500 are genuinely taking actions. And by us, a few of us who are genuinely pioneering, and I thank all my clients and they definitely have ambition to be able to do the right thing. By doing that, I think the noise will just get, it, it, it's always going to be there. There's always going to be some noise, but I don't think we should be paying attention to that. So specifically, I think greenwashing, I anticipate in 2023 will significantly reduce. You got company like one company who has the highest power now in, in, uh, town, in San Francisco. When it first lit up, I'm not too sure I actually liked that tower because it changed the skyline of the whole San Francisco and Transamerica. But you probably know who I am talking about. And even them, they actually coming out with a dashboard that basically helped any companies that they want for free, because it's a freebie version, to be able to at least know like, okay, here's all your gas, how emission and your energy resources under scope one, which is direct. And here's all of them under indirect. And here's all the one relating to your supply chain, which is called scope three. So you don't have to kind of get technical about one, two and three, but effectively like, okay, well, these are the direct consumption because these are your employees. And here's all your indirect and here's all including your supplier for you to be able to provide end to end on that. And then there's another company in California that has the headquarters looks like a spaceship and they are very ambitious and phenomenal inspirational by saying that if you use any of my device, any of the emission that you cause, I count that in my corporate disclosure. Now that now, now I'm trying to figure out if Apple's headquarters looks like a spaceship. I think it I think it it must it must, right? It's actually oh. the the mag power charging. So taking accountability and transparency by actually having that spectrum example that I give and also be able to not kind of shame the worst performer, but make it transparent and people can make the decision about whether I even want to work with this company anymore. I think it will cost the right decision and action to come because we all need to hire more younger generation and it is important to them. Not free food anymore, by the way. 
It's actually the commitment on social responsibility is more important than free food. Right. Indeed. And the, 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 uh, there, there's no question that there's, there is a huge generational divide about the, 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 the focus on, on environmental. So I, I think I totally agree that the, the sanitizing impact of sunlight, just bringing this stuff out in the open and making it one of the metrics with which we, we, we gauge companies like anything else, like a better business bureau rating used to be is now there's kind of this, this, this ESG rating system, which is the, the hope is though that it won't be commercialized to the point where pay to play kind of the, the, the way, the way certain other tier rating systems are where only the largest companies can benefit from it. Only the largest companies can afford, say, the Uptime Institute of tier rating and all those things that, that go under, under those audits. So the ability to, to, to gauge on other metrics, I think, are, are incredibly important. I think so too. Well, Phil and Nabil, thank you for the question. I actually have an ask for you. Uh-oh. Yeah, here for we your go. audience, for the audience that listening to this year, if both of you can actually be on your own board, and obviously you are, because you are on your own platform, for any of the audience who might be interested in actually attending, for example, data center event and be able to meet whoever they want as keynote or panel speaker, spend one-on-one time. I have an offer. Submit me the list. We would like to actually invite them, expense paid for, uh, for them to attend either European event or U.S. event or even Asia. And currently now the only spot that we have in Asia, some of the event we plan for this year is in Singapore. It would be wonderful for both of you to actually help us vet your audience so you can actually submit the name and just like the Make-A-Wish Foundation, I will just take care of the rest of them because we would like to actually have these new young talent get involved in our industry and be able to participate and have some networking and a data center event. And hopefully both of you can also selectively join because I know how busy you are because you have super power to actually enable your audience to actually engage with the, with the folks that are actually doing the work that they may be able to come up with the idea that none of us thought about when we were reviewing the project. And I thought we can actually try that for 2023 because I was able to actually convince many of the sponsors be able to encourage this new talent to come in to our industries. And that doesn't sound like an ask for us. That sounds like an offer that you're making to to our yes. audience, which I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, what 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 organization is that is that through? Is it through the UN? Is it through which which one of the organizations that you work it with? It would be the it would be multiple data center platform, like for example, Data Cloud as in Monaco, Data Cloud USA in Austin, the Data Center Dynamics Connect Show, or even PDC, I think we just have it a little bit too short. Maybe we should aim for that in 2024. Right. But effectively, most of the data center event that I am leading quite a bit in terms of the sustainability, we all come together by saying we need to basically just sponsor more new talent to come in. So yes, it is an offer, but I need someone to be able to vet them because just giving me the list doesn't make sense. We want to know what is. Who's not going to want a free trip to Monaco paid paid for by Susanna Cass? I assume, <laughs> I assume everyone that, oh, the switchboards are lighting up. Thank God this is not a live show with them. Yes, and we're probably going to look for somebody already in Europe. And right. then for Austin, obviously we somebody already in USA. 
And I think it'd be wonderful for some of those folks who are thinking about pivoting in their career or new folks coming in into the industry and they're about to graduate and they haven't got the light bulb that I got when I was six years old in terms of wanting to get involved in seeing the world in a more logical fashion. I didn't even know that word computer science, by the way, Nabil. I was too young to even articulate that, right? But at least I said, hey, that's kind of what I described to me that's fascinating. So I would very much like to see if we can collaborate together in 2023. I'm so excited because you two are my absolutely favorite and you inspire me every day. The uh, mission is accepted. I I, I will put words in Nabil's mouth. Mission accepted. Um, I think... I think I'm, the, I'm lost for words. Right, he's know, lost for words. Something I've never been in my entire <laughs> life. There's never been a time. Look, the uh, the one thing I always try to say about this industry that I think is almost is lost on young people a lot is how accessible all of the leadership is in 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 in, in our in our industry in a way that it's not in others. In large part because it's a young industry, but I think for the most part because it's so young that all of the, the 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 people in positions of leadership, even at the largest companies that do what we do, are all accidentally in this industry. We just happen right. to be in the right place at the right time, born in the right era where we straddled the before digital times and now. And, and people want to be able to tell those stories, which is inspiring to kids that think to be in the data center industry, you have to be a scientist. You have to be a computer nerd. You have to be someone that that takes apart circuit boards in, in your mom's basement for years and years before you get involved in our industry. And and outside of the the significant amount of what we call sub verticals within our space, it's just not like that at all. I mean, it's 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 entirely collaborative and 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 everyone for the most part, if you initiate a conversation, is willing to speak to you about their experiences about what they're doing. I was just in, I was just meeting with, with Raul Martinek, the CEO of Databank, who is a friend of the show. Can we say that now? And we left, we were, we were meeting at, at a brewery in, in Houston. It was the most amazing thing in the world. We left the brewery in, in, in Houston and we ran into these, these kids on the street that were doing some sort of like TikTok videos or whatever. And they came up to us and, and they were starting to, to make jokes. And and Raul took them aside and he's like a unique character when it comes to this stuff. You think I'm loquacious? Raul is never lost for words either. And he just started to explain to them like who he was, what he did, how the camera and, and the internet connectivity that they're using to film that. He's explaining to them that there are cell towers and those cell towers are connected connected to these aggregation places called data centers. And that's what he runs right across the street from that place. And these were just kids that were looking to kind of make a joke on the internet. And it's that sort of accessibility. Maybe that's an an over-the-top example, but I think people would be inspired by the fact that these guys that are worth gobs and gobs of money that have had extraordinary success in their lives are just fans of what like the technology that are all around us do because we were the last generation that was around before that happened. And the current generation just takes for granted that they can do all these things. Like they're born with with an iPhone in their hand. They're born with an iPad in their hand. I say this all the time. My kids knew how to use an iPad before they knew how to speak. They just take for granted that technology just works and they don't understand how how magical it is, why it works. So this industry, what what's incumbent upon us as the kind of elders is like inspired by your desire to get new people coming to these events is to try to instill that wonderment in this 
newest generation that doesn't understand how how much of a miracle it is the stuff that they're able to do the the reason the, the way that they were able to like respond to a pandemic by going online and using Zoom and using all these platforms to do school and to do doctor's visits and telehealth and all of those things that if it were five or or six years before would have been incredibly difficult to do because we didn't have near the amount of bandwidth at home and we didn't have these platforms that we take for granted now. Even now we take them for granted and they've just been around for a couple of years. So again, it's never profound. lost for words. I it's love profound. It. It's a new rim. And I sincerely think the entire system needs a transformation. And that's basically where you two gentlemen have done for our industry. So I, I can't thank you enough for what you do every day. I think we should just make the rest of this show. Susanna telling us how brilliant we are and us you saying you know, you how much are. we love and you too, Susanna. It's just one big you, hug. Yeah, well, we, we should do a, a group hug. Yeah, we haven't, well, that's maybe. the virtual thing. That's the virtual thing we haven't created yet. I still yes, can't. Yes. I could try to so, hug the screen. It just doesn't have the same. The offer is open, but I do need your help in terms of vetting someone who are genuinely qualified and in terms of making measurable impact, because we are also, of course, measuring the impact of this program. And then we want to kind of be able to generate a report on that one. But so curiosity is one of the most important attributes for any of the people that you will recommend. Obviously, I will hate more girls <laughs> or young ladies. Would be Absolutely. Great. I was only going to say we have been firm believers of exposure experiences resulting into evolution, but Phil's articulation of it was absolutely phenomenal. Profound. And 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 the challenge is there. We I think this just fits in timing wise, just absolutely phenomenally. We are in the midst of a massive news. We are launching the Nomad Futures Academy that you, you'll hear about relatively soon over here as well. And to identify these kids and people in transition and to bring forth what their expectations of the future are are imperative in us defining the future of connectivity, the future of compute, and also addressing the the challenge on hand that is sustainability. Susanna, thank you very much for taking the time and sharing your personal journey, the trials and tribulation and the exposure, experiences that you've gathered and how you got into space. It is just amazing. Really enjoyed getting to know more of you and can't wait to work with you on all the efforts that you're engaged in as the foundation and as individuals. I can't wait to see you in Hawaii. My God, that's Thank amazing. you. Yes, aloha. We shall see each other very soon. This has been great. Nothing lasts forever. Markets will come back. Currencies will rebound. Businesses will go on. And we'll all move on. That could happen next week, next month, or next year. I'm confident that those who prepare rather than panic will come out of this stronger. Thank you for joining us. This has been brought to you by Nomad Futurist. Check us online at nomadfuturist.com.